This podcast, The Two Mats, is sponsored as ever by the New European Newspaper. And we've got a very special subscription offer for you, a new one, where you can get a free bollocks to Brexit passport cover. That's right, you heard that right, folks. It's a burgundy, like vegan leather, beautifully designed passport cover. Pleather. To, to have pleather, that's what, that's what they call it, isn't it? Pleather. To hide your um, new British blue. The shame of the, the blue shame, The shame passport. of the blue passport. And you can get your free bollocks to Brexit passport cover free with a subscription to the New European from just £1 a week. So to take this fantastic offer, and trust me, if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love the New European, go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S, and there's a link in the show notes. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Porritt and I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hello, Snowflake. A.K.A. The Gloved Wang. And how are you, the night fisher? Uh, I am fine. Another very strange week, of course. Uh, but we it will is. bring you the news. And as I always say, if you're not checking the news, it's really important that you do. Um, at, at normal times, we would tell you to come here and here only for your news. Um, but these are not normal times. So please do keep in touch with the news and then come to us for a sort of roundup of the news, Steve, yes? Yes, I think it's... I think we can lift the, the, the ban on on look reading on looking at the news, can't we? We can. I'm just the taking my news. Just, I'm just going to take my jacket off because uh, there we go. I'm taking my jacket because I'm actually standing to do the pod. Just bear with me one second. Standing up. A lot of broadcasters stand up, don't they? I think Danny Baker stands up. Is that right? Well, he is one of the nation's finest broadcasters. Just not a very good tweeter. Well, yes, there is that. Yeah. <laughs> he has issues with his tweets, doesn't he? He does. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, we will, how we... is it? Have you Go on. strip podcasting could be a strip podcasting, thing, it? Going forward. What? So you think if so when certain things happen on the podcast, I have to remove an item of clothing? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so... Every time we talk about Brexit, maybe or uh, that would be well, good. Well, luckily, I've got two pairs of socks on. And I also am wearing a woolly hat, as uh, as we record. Have you ever participated in a game of strip poker? I haven't participated in a game of strip poker, no, but I have participated in strip other games. Have you? Yeah. Right, OK. Just today. <laughs> I've never, yeah, I've, I've never participated in, in any stripping games. What? You've and I, don't re- I don't really feel like I've missed out, and certainly... <laughs> 
every, nobody, every, everybody else has certainly not missed out either. So well, I, do, well, I mean, I think I, that's good. I, 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 yeah, I definitely have, uh, have, have partaken. I mean, many, many years ago, I may add, perhaps when I was yeah. a student would have been the last time I participated in a game of strip something. I can't remember what the game was, though. Risk. Um, strip risk. Strip risk. <laughs> Strip risk. Yeah, me and my nerdy risk Come friends. <laughs> Indeed. So we will do the news, of course, and then we will uh, also crown a Brexiteer of the week. Um, what? What? what we certainly what, shall. But first, Steve, I was going to ask you what um, you know. What, what have you? What have you been up to? What have you been filling your time with? Now we're we're both still working, so we have a normal working day. But taking the commute out of the day actually adds time to your. To your leisure time. So, what have you been? What have you been filling the hours with? Oh, well, I've added it to my work time. To be honest with you, <laughs> but I am. I am. All, I am also, and I'm. What I'm finding. Are you, you're ho- the, are you hoping that some of the, uh, the the suits are listening to this, Steve? Yeah, I am. Very. Yeah, I've been very working twenty four hours a day. <laughs> but I'm finding. I must admit, I'm finding the bit between the the bit that comes after sort of five thirty six o'clock. The bit between that, that's between eight a.m. and five thirty, six o'clock, it's fine. It's it's just what happens after six o'clock. But I have, um, I've got the great, um, I, I've got the, the the great fortune to have a, a nineteen-year-old sharing a flat with me while we're on lockdown. Can and, we just uh, say that that's your son, Steve, isn't it? It's not. That like, is, it's not like <laughs> that is my that is my son. So I'm <laughs> catering to his. His, his whims at the moment, yeah. Okay, good. And it, so he, I, I was on the, a call with you the other day, and you said, oh, I've got to go now, I've got to cook my son's lunch. Yes, that's it, right, Just yeah. remind us how old he is again. 19. 19. No, good. no, no, 19. Good. <laughs> Don't send him off to war or anything. No, exactly, exactly not. But what a week it's been. Wimbledon cancelled. Wimbledon has been cancelled. I, I went Edinburgh to Wimbledon. Festival's been cancelled. Edinburgh Festival has been cancelled. I went to Wimbledon last year. I was hoping to go again Alok this Sharma's year. Alok chances of ever hosting another press conference have been cancelled. It didn't work out well. Sharma. But, uh, yeah, Alak. Alak, as uh, as Unwittikum would say. Alak Sharma. Yes, um, indeed, all of those things have happened. I think. Good Lord. Do you think by this time terrible, next week, uh, Liverpool's uh, one chance in, in a generation of winning the league might have been taken away from him as well? I mean, that, that would just be extraordinary. <laughs> um, but as a Manchester City fan, clearly, well, you know. And also, you know, I would be willing to say that. We could, if we just cancelled the entire season, the entire nineteen twenty season, I would be prepared for Manchester City to give up the the, the Carling Cup we won um, in in February, I think it was, and just return the Carling Cup to the team. We just say that never happened, and we'll just return it to the team who won the Carling Cup last season. Very, very good, Steve. Very good yeah. for, for those who aren't in the know. Manchester City won it last season as well. Yes, we won. We won all the domestic trophies last season. Yes. Yeah. Well, as a Huddersfield Town real... fan, it really makes no odds to me. What happened? It doesn't make any odds. Uh, well, it could do. But, actually, we could still go down. But I think, I mean, that 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 does seem to be that is on the horizon, and that is huge. I mean, it didn't dawn. I don't think it fully dawned on me. I think I said this last week how massive this was going to be. I was obviously aware of how huge it was, but when they cancel football, you're like, wow, that is a big deal because not only is it a huge cultural thing, you know, it's like a religion in this country, of course, um, whether, whether you like it or not. Um, but also the money that is involved is, is immense. 
yeah, of course it is. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy, but we're living in crazy times. We're living in such crazy times that the Labour leadership contest is finally coming to an end. Well, do you know what? Uh, that, that was, there was, there was a ray of sunshine, wasn't there, when that finally ended at lunchtime on Thursday. Uh, it is over, and by the time you hear this, we may well have a new Labour leader. Um, of course, all the, uh, all the clever money is on Sakia Starmer. It is. The man, yeah. the hair. Imag- just imagine, though. I mean, just imagine if it's a, a shock result. I mean, I think, obviously, the last one wasn't a shock result, was it? Because we knew that Corbyn was going to win, even though we were sort of clinging on to the, the, the fantasy. I remember clinging on to the, the, the fantasy uh, that somehow it might be, disaster might be averted. Um, yeah. And then I was at a Manchester City game. I think it was Manchester City versus Crystal Palace. Yes, it, it was on a Saturday uh, afternoon, and we were sitting yeah, in the pub, yeah. and he'd won. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, it very we well. I couldn't. I have to say, I couldn't quite believe it until it actually happened. I did think, surely not, surely not. But then yeah. it did. It was. I mean, so it wasn't actually a shock because every you know everything had pointed towards it. But it was still quite shocking to see. Um, and what did we predict at the time? Oh, well, that's Labour done for yeah. five years, and um, and we were right, but in a weird way because actually. We were wrong in many ways because I don't think anyone saw um, saw Corbyn getting the sort of support he did in 2017. No, that's right. No. Um, so what do you think? So, I mean, here we, so here we are again. I mean, the one before that was a shot, wasn't it? Yes, I think it was. everybody. I think everybody had sort of expected that um, that David Miliband would win, and Ed Miliband won by what did he win by? It was about. Was it one and a half percent, or one percent, or something like that in the end? And well, it was on the second votes, wasn't it, that he clinched it? Really, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you know that was that was a oh, you know that was a, 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 a key moment, wasn't it? Massive, I mean, that's it's ten moment. wasted years essentially, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, dis- I don't dislike. I don't dislike Ed Miliband, but um, but yes, it was a, it, that was the first wrong turn, I think, wasn't it, for Labour? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, we've got some insight into what Keir Starmer will do, and we asked some of you what you thought Keir Starmer should do. Um, do you want? Um, I mean, you're the you're the the political guy. Do you want to sort of go through what you think of these people? I mean, this is based on on a well sourced report in the Sunday Times. Yeah, and there are there are many people is, who are better sourced, frankly. Which is sort of saying that. Keir Starmer's his his key team will be, uh, I'm quoting here, young soft lefties who are brainy, who most people don't recognise, and who haven't spent the last few years doing factional stuff. My view view on on that as a policy is, yeah, I mean, that is a good idea. What what Labour needs is 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 a real fresh start. And there is some... You know there there is there is talent there. There is talent in in Labour's ranks, but they've got a lot of time to build here. They've got you know they've got best part of five years before we're likely to have another general election. They have yeah. got the time to to for these people to become um, figures in the media, to become household names, to become a really good opposition, much like Blair did. Actually, you know Blair had a Blair is is remembered obviously as a as a as a prime minister, but he had a good spell in opposition. Um, I mean, he was handed a much much healthier party, of course, from, by John Smith than um, yeah, than, right. than Keir's being handed from from Corbyn. But 
I think, you know, I think Labour have got reason to be hopeful with this as a strategy, in my opinion. Yeah, and some of the people involved, I mean, they're talking about Rachel Reeves or Annalise Dodds um, for Shadow Chancellor. Both of those are would be, would be great. I think there's never been a female Chancellor or a female Shadow Chancellor. What do you think I of Rachel Reeves? I think I, I really like Rachel. Um, I know less about Annalise Dodds, but I think Rachel Reeves is going to get a big job, um, and I think that would be deserved. I think she seems like a sensible head. It, I know it'd be good to see her, you know, a bit more up close and 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 get get out there doing proper opposition stuff. That you know, that's what Kia has been has been really firm on being a good opposition first and foremost. And I think that's vitally important. And he, he was on uh, last night. There was a um, a members event uh, here in the east of England uh, that was done virtually, obviously, um, in, in these times. And he then did a, a, a round table with with some journalists, and a couple of my guys were actually in that round table. And from the transcript I've seen back of it, um, that is very much seems to be where he where he wants to start off from. We are going to be a good, strong opposition. Um, but he's also, I, you know, I, I, it's no no surprise to anyone who listens to this podcast regularly that I'm a fan of Keir Starmer. But he um, he also said when where the government needs praise we will give them praise and he then praised them for some of the bailout packages and support packages that have come along in the past few weeks and i think that you know corbyn couldn't corbyn could never really do that could he he, he no. a, a, any kind of praise would have been through gritted teeth um you know he is a, he's tribalist he is factional and that's how that's how his kind of politics works um whereas i think kia um, can can be a bit more pragmatic about it, especially in a time of national crisis like this. Um, and and I think that you know I think that's good. It's a sensible message. But I I, I absolutely agree with him that Labour's first challenge and first aim should be to be the opposition that the British people deserve. Because even if you know even during Corbyn's high moments that you know the 2017 election campaign, which was which was masterful on his part and on his people's part. Um, alongside a very bad campaign by uh, by uh, Theresa May, yeah. of course, but um, but it, it, it still never felt like a, 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 an excellent opposition, even even in those moments. I thought, yes, that's right. Um, other people being talked up for roles. I, I mean, I suppose Jonathan Reynolds could also be um, Shadow Chancellor. He's Shadow Economic Secretary to the Treasury now and, and has done a lot of sort of shadow roles, but I think the idea of having a female Shadow Chancellor is, is, is probably going to come to fruition. It's, I mean, it's people like Preet Gill and Sarah Jones who are being talked up rather than people like the kind of names that you would expect, Hillary mm, Benn, yeah. Yvette Cooper. Why, why do you think... What do you think? What do you think that is? Well, again, I think it's just that the I think Kia wants a, a, a fresh slate. He doesn't want fresh, to be, yeah. yeah, he doesn't want to be tarnished by Corbyn, but he perhaps doesn't want to be tarnished by by anti Corbyn either. You know, these people aren't that easy to find, of course, because the Labour Party has been so um, so desperately split for such a long time now. But if you were to suddenly you, you would turn off a lot of Corbynistas by putting Hillary Benn in there. Of course, they've got very long memories and will remember the fact that he he tried to topple him unsuccessfully, yeah. of course. But uh, so, so you know, I think, and also, it, it, they're at a stage where they can rebuild. You know, they're in. You know, if you think of it on, in the terms of a football team, this is a team that's been 
relegated with some big hitters and now needs to ship them on and, and find some, some you know, look to the youth team and find some young talent. And that makes yeah. perfect sense. And also, Kia, I think, will be a strong leader. People will rally around him. So he will take a lot of the strain to begin with. And I imagine we'll be seeing a heck of a lot more of him on our TV screens in the coming weeks and months. Um, but as time yeah. goes by, I think, and those people find their way in. I mean, Rachel Reeves is a, you know, she's... She knows her, her way around a TV totally. studio and is, and is a good Very performer, good. so she will, she will take on a lot of strain. But I imagine there yeah. will be people we've not heard a great deal of or know very much of in, in some more, uh, you know, in, in, in some fairly big roles, and, and good luck to them. Yep. Yeah, um, I mean, Long, Rebecca Long Bailey and Lisa Nandy, we are told. Uh, will be offered jobs, but not in Starmer's core team. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, I wonder about that. I mean, I can see obviously with with uh, <laughs> the now rebranded Becky Long really, of course. I can see why um, she, you know, she might stick out a little bit in in the core team. But I do think that Nandy perhaps will will be one that rises back to the to the top a little bit after this because I do, I do, I do, I have got a lot of time for her. I do think she will do well. Um, she may yeah. she may start in in something like culture or something like that and and sort of work her way up a little bit. I think I think she's she's got a good career ahead of her in my opinion. I really wonder about the wisdom of keeping people like Rebecca Long Bailey, in, you know, inside the inside the tent. I, I, I think that now is just the time to to clear the decks and that the, the, that strategy of you know new faces is is. It's the right one for all the reasons that you've um, that you've just said. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what the, the you know the perceived wisdom on this would be that you would give the people who've run you closest a, a job. That is what it sort of tends to work like that. Um, but but Rebecca Longbilly is so opposed to what to the type of Labour Party that Keir Starmer is hopefully and we believe going to try and rebuild that it does seem like a, a strange one. But I can. I can see why he probably doesn't want her lobbing grenades from the sidelines, at least for the time yeah. being. Um, but you've got to, sorry, you've, you've also but you've also got to bear in mind that Angela Rayner is going to you know is a shoe in to, to be the to win the deputy leadership, and yes. so she's going to have to have a, a big role. She is Rebecca Long Bailey's flatmate, and yeah. you know, I mean, that is a that's a that's a big power. You know, if you're handing those two fairly senior roles, then that is a big sort of. Paul, I think, uh, and, and he's got to give Angela Rayner a, a, a proper job, or, or or maybe, you know, maybe one of them will get a party role. I don't know, but maybe Yvette Cooper and uh, somebody like that will get party role. Um, uh, Seamus Milne is going to go. We know that um, he's going to take out. He's going to ask for the resignation of Jenny Formby and Carrie Murphy. Yeah. What about the sort of the what about the. the Labour's policies. What, I've got a list here of the, the manifesto commitments. Okay. What do you think he should keep, and what do you think he should ditch? Well, so I mean, the these, are gonna, one, these are going to be di- these are going to be difficult to answer in light of uh, in light of the coronavirus. I fear, but go on. Well, they are. Yeah. Well, I don't think we can talk about the health budget and and um, that kind of stuff um, and tricky, cutting yeah. private provision in the NHS because I think that's you know stuff has moved on in the even in the the, the before the coronavirus and raising the minimum wage. I mean, that was tackled. So, hold well, number two is num- the, the second big commitment was to hold a second referendum on Brexit. Now, where do you think Keir Starmer is going to set out 
Labour's store. How is he going to how is he going to manage this? Because the Tories are clearly going to go. Here comes Keir Starmer. He's the guy who wanted to to steal Brexit from you. He's the guy who wanted to have a second referendum. He's the guy who said that your vote shouldn't count. How, how is he going to handle that? And what's what's his initial message going to be? Well, I, I remember being on a, a phone call. In fact, you might have even been in the room, Steve. I remember being on a phone call with Keir. What must be three years ago now, probably, um, where we were interviewing him about uh, Brexit and and sort of giving him a hard time about his Brexit strategy. And I think we were all we all just wanted Labour to come out and say we want a second referendum. Um, and he was very um, careful yeah. and very yeah. very measured about the whole thing. And I expect that to continue. I think what we'll see is I, I think it's unlikely that on Saturday afternoon he will go right. Labour will campaign for a second referendum. We will campaign to stop Brexit. I just don't think that that is where the country is and where the votes are. I think, I think very sadly, he's probably going to say um, we need to campaign to get the best Brexit possible, uh, and and we will, you know, we will oppose any Brexit that damages Britain. Mm. Um, and then, you know, in in four or five years' time, perhaps, when the dust of this uh, current situation and, and perhaps Brexit, probably to, a, probably to a lesser extent Brexit, actually, has, has settled somewhat, he can say, well, this is clearly not working. As an, as yeah. an experiment, Britain out of yeah. the EU is suffering, and really what we need to be doing is working closer with our European partners and start to build that argument again, because we look, listen, guys... You, I, I've taken a lot of stick on Twitter from you guys over the past few weeks, but what I will say is, and you might sometimes I think it's that I, I'll, I'll say things that you don't like, and I won't apologise for that. But the point is that we lost the Brexit argument; it's over, we lost. But what we've got to do is make sure we win the war. We lost the battle, and to do that, just standing up and going, "We want a second referendum." The time for that is gone. It is gone. What we've got to do now is build an argument for Britain to be in to be back in the EU, and yeah. I think perhaps that is what Keir will start to do behind the scenes. The kind yeah. of thing that Blair's government failed on, um, which was telling people what it meant to be part of the EU, telling people the positives of being in the EU, of what the money did, um, rather than the argument being owned by the other side, who just told us about Benny Bananas and all that crap you know we, we, yeah. we we've got to we've got to actually take the way that they fought and use it in our own way you know um the way that the leavers fought for all those years we've got to do it and i think we can do it much quicker because it will it is going to impact people financially especially as we try and recover from the coronavirus um you know economically um so so i i my view is that kia will not make some big sweeping brexit statement so you know if that disappoints you i'm sorry but we this i honestly if i was advising him i would say stay clear of brexit for a bit kia let's let's I see where we are in 12 18 to. months let's see where we're yeah. in 12 or 18 months by all means oppose government policy on brexit and by all means go out and say we need to be trying to extend this because of the coronavirus that is a sensible thing to do but Big sweeping remain statements are uh, will do no one any good now. Let's start building a team, you know, let's get a team of people together who are quietly in the background building an argument to get back in the EU behind the scenes. That would be the sensible thing for Keir to do. Good. 
And let's just um, let me just shout out some of these manifesto commitments, and then, on, and then, and then I'm going to give you a minute to think about them. A and minute, we're going to hear a bit rubbish airtime. That well, we're going to yeah, it's, it's not going to be dead air because oh. I'm going to fill it with, with I'm going to fill it. Well, you're having to think. I'm going to fill it with what people have been saying oh, that, right. that they yeah, want good. Keir Starmer to do. Okay, good. So these are some of the manifesto commitments. Um, he the manifesto commitments had in stopping the state pension age rises, introducing a national care service, including some free personal care for, for older people, bringing forward the net zero target to 2030, I think about 10 years uh, earlier than the Tories and five years earlier than the Lib Dems, nationalising the big six energy firms, the National Grid, Water, Royal Mail, Railways, Broadband, free broadband, of course, scrapping universal credit, abolishing private schools' charitable status. That's in England. I think that's already been done in Scotland. Free bus travel for the under-25s. EU nationals having the right to remain and building 100,000 council homes a year. So have a think about those. Yeah. And I'm just going to go through a couple of... Because these have been great. These, this is what you, the readers, want Keir Starmer to do. Margaret Roblin says, get rid of Milne, Formby and McCluskey. Get the backbench stars like Yvette, Rachel Reeves, West Street and David Lammy, Peter Kyle... Chris Bryant, Ben Bradshaw, into the shadow cabinet. Uh, Andrew, uh, Andrew Rejoin uh, says, uh, get Barry Gardner and Richard Bergen out of the shadow cabinet, neutralise momentum. Alex Andreu says, drop the ideas of complete uh, renationalisation of privatised industries. Go for 51% government ownership of each as a future objective, but only after the economy has recovered. Uh, the process should be measured and gradual over 10 to 15 years. At last, Blairite says, get rid of Lavery and Bergen from the front bench. Launch an investigation into the creation of the hostile environment for the Jewish members, councillors and MPs. Trevor All, at Trevor All, says, appoint Yvette Cooper to a big cabinet or party position. John Harvey says, demand the release of the Russia report, demand the release of the findings of the Arcuri investigation, demand a delay to Brexit, uh, or to the, uh, the withdrawal, I guess he'd say, extend the withdrawal period, isn't he? Uh, SJK42, uh, make a no ifs, no buts commitment to proportional representation, seek pacts with the Lib Dems and the Greens, stand down Labour candidates on a reciprocal basis. Uh, Holy Mole says free citizenship for any national foreign national working in the NHS. They have passed the test by stay, try, staying to save our lives. Archangel192 says reinstate Alistair Campbell's membership of the Labour Party and apologise to him. Kalidus Dominus says, um, possibly not his real name, says what you just said. Don't push the pro-Europe uh, side too much as the Red Wall still believes that Brexit is inherently good. And possibly the best advice of all uh, comes from uh, Nat Revel. Oh, I can't even pronounce that. But he says, stay two metres away from the other candidates on the stage. But I think it's going to be done remotely, this, isn't it? It is. It's not it going is, to be. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think they're all going to be getting together. No, Nat no, Rebel no. or whatever you whatever you call. Oh, Rev Andy Mack Imanol. too. I thought this. Nat Rev Imanol. Yeah. Mm. Andy Mack too also said encourage uh, militant momentum uh, people to leave and to form a party that represents their sometimes laudable 
but generally impractical and unelectable viewpoints, okay. uh, which well, I think is good. Well, listen, I'll, I, I, there is some brilliant, absolutely brilliant stuff there, and I'll, I'll, if I can, I'll, I'll mention some of them as well. But let me let me go through the the points. Go through the manifesto, yeah. Um, so. Uh, I think we second referendum minimum wage health stuff we've we've sort of moved yep, beyond. We'll so, that, yeah. um, stop state pension age rises. Um, well, yeah, I mean in a in a perfect world, but there what a lot of people, um, and certainly Jeremy Corbyn and his pals um, don't realise is that there is a um, there is a price attached to all these things. You know, it's not just like we wouldn't want to do them. Um, so yes, I would agree with that um, if it's costed properly. Uh, National Care Service, absolutely. I think, you know, we, we the coronavirus um, aside, uh, there is a crisis in our in our care system um, for, for elderly people and, and the demographic which is going to need it. So I think that needs to be addressed uh, ASAP. So yes, I, I could support that. Um, net zero target, difficult to argue against, isn't it? Um, you know, I think... I think Britain sometimes gets kicked. We're, we are actually a fair bit ahead of quite a few of the other countries, but that doesn't mean we can't do more. So, yes, nationalised key industries. I have issues with this. Um, I have issues with, with nationalisation, full stop, to be honest. But I'm going to jump now to Alex Andreu, who yeah. this seems to be a really sensible idea. I think, you know, if, if the government has got 51% ownership in it, uh, then... Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure that the. Sir, I honestly don't believe that nationalising anything makes service of anything better. Um, I'm not that old, but I am old enough to remember British Rail, and it was crap. Um, was it underfunded, perhaps? But then these are the first things that the funding goes when the money isn't there. So I, you know, I'm not massively um, a fan of nationalisation, but I, I, it would be difficult to argue against Alex's idea there of of doing it over a longer period and, and you know, and, and going for that 51%, could it be that the companies are given an ultimatum? You've got five years to improve this, to hit these targets. If you don't, we're going to at least take 51%. Do you know, is that is that a way around it? I'm not sure. Exactly, um, yeah. So let's have a look at the other stuff. Scrap universal credit. I think universal credit um, is a strange one. Uh, it was one of those... Things and I think we do this in politics. Uh, we also do it in the media as well, where we, where someone comes up with an idea and wants it done by tomorrow. You know, universal credit would have been a lot less painful if it had been done over a five, even ten year period, because I think some of the backroom things that are attached to universal credit actually potentially can make it easier for claimants and certainly easier on the state. Um, I think the way it was the way it was brought in was was at times brutal um, and very inhuman. Um, but the idea behind it, perhaps, you know, there is there is something in that idea. So to scrap it entirely, I think, would be perhaps a bit of a waste of money. I think it needs a massive shake-up. Um, and I Huge shake-up, yeah. And I think perhaps, you know, uh, that it, it, what, what the welfare state needs is a little bit of humanity poured into it, you know? Not the welfare state, mm. sorry, the way, that, the, the way that welfare and benefits are dished out. There needs to be a bit more, a bit more, um, just a bit more... It's such a big, uh, you know, brutal, faceless thing. There's no. It is a. It's black and white. Its computer says no. Often, you know, there. And I, it's. A, I don't know how you get around it particularly. I really don't. But it's. Um, but yeah, you know. Diff- I won't, I'm not sure I'd scrap it completely, but definitely a massive shakeup. Um, abolish private school charitable status. This is a bit of a no-brainer, really, isn't Age it? Age old, isn't I mean, it? Yeah. <laughs> 
it's been one it's been one of those that has left me scratching my head for quite a long time but yes um scrap tuition fees uh well that's fine as long as i'll get my uh however much money it was that i paid back i was like the first year i had to get a had to get a loan so um i will expect that back in full i would definitely vote for that if i was to get my money back yes um free bus travel for under 25s uh, i can't massively get on board with that if i'm honest i'm just saying kind of why yeah i just don't really understand why 25 and not 26 you know i don't know well yeah exactly i don't know know. why that would if 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 there was a way of getting it you know for key workers perhaps or or if you or if you were on a you know on a on a on a on a certain pay band or whatever you could get it at cheaper rates or something i don't know i could could probably go for that but just an age you know there are 24 year olds in the city earning Two hundred thousand pounds a year. What they get the jump on the bus for free? Do they? It's a nonsense. Yeah, that seems that seems weird to me. Um, EU nationals' right to remain. I think that's a, I think that's a fairly. I uh, don't know what that bleeping is. I think that's a fairly uh, fairly. Is that you? <laughs> so there's some bleeping going on in the background. You'll have to ignore that. Oh dear. St- he's still there. You're still there, Steve. I thought I'd lost you. Um, EU nationals' rights remain. Yes, I would agree with that. But, um, build hundred thousand council homes a year. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think that you know we 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 definitely need the housing. So that makes perfect sense. And also, I'm a big fan of infrastructure. People have to build them. Hooray! They've got paid employment. Um, I'll just go through a few bits uh, that the that the uh, listeners have sent in as well. I think. I think the one that stuck out for me above uh, as well alongside Alex's was uh, was the um, the thing about momentum. Should momentum be forced to leave and form a new party? Well, I think I think forcing people to leave is not a look that I think Keir Starmer is going to want to be involved no. in. Um, that is uh, that should be left behind with with Corbyn uh, and his lot. Uh, Alistair Campbell's membership. Um, reissued and an, an apology, absolutely. I mean that sh- that should be uh, that should be done as soon as possible. Um, and I would also back very swiftly. In fact, you know, even even amidst the coronavirus, I think Keir should say now is the time to properly investigate and make sure that we have no anti-Semites in this party. Um, I think that would be a very good start to his leadership if he was to do that. Yes, I think, and I think that should begin with discussion rather than you know he needs he needs to he needs to talk to people rather than come out and make you know empty statements about what the yeah. Labour Party are going to yeah, do yeah, in the yeah, future yeah. and, and internal yeah. things but I think he needs what, to go but, out there and, and win hearts and I mean I know it's I know he can't physically go out there at the moment um, but but yes a lot of steps need to be taken but that's absolutely Cool. Now, just I'm going to stop you there, Steve, and I know we want to carry on talking about Labour, one of our favourite topics, of course. Um, but I, I wanted to check in with you and see how your Spanish was coming along. Well, it's... it's oh, it's, what? It's, it's, I've been so busy. I've got to say, though, it, it, it's Babel, which we're, which we're talking about, is, is a fantastic... Uh, it's a fantastic thing. In these times when you find yourself... Uh, looking around for something to do. I'm not many. I'm not many um, lessons on. I think I've done a couple of lessons since last we spoke, uh-huh. and I'm not yet at the. Uh, I'm not yet at the stage where I'm confident enough to share my Spanish with um, with the people with the the, the listeners of, of this wonderful podcast. <laughs> um, You're not ready I to address the Spanish nation yet. I would love to address the Spanish nation, um, and, and, I, and I was certainly planning to be doing so what in a month you? or in about in, in about uh, six weeks or so. You were planning I'd, I'd... to address Spain. 
Yeah. You, you, well, you were planning to, to visit, weren't you? I was planning to visit, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't planning a national... I wasn't going to get on a balcony and start, uh, and start declaiming in the old style, but... Let yeah. me tell you a bit about Babel. Um, so, Babel is here to help you learn that language that you've been, you know, thinking about learning, and now you've got the time. Um, it, it, it could have been one that you'd started learning at school, I learnt French... Uh, Steve learnt German, or it could be one that you think, do you know what, I love that country, I wish when I go there I could seem less like an English idiot abroad and actually um, speak to the locals in uh, a clear, sensitive and intelligent manner. So, let me tell you about it. It's a clear and simple interface. It guides you through your learning journey in a funny and smooth way. It's designed to quickly get you speaking your new language within weeks with daily 10 to 15 minute lessons. Steve, is that about right? Yeah, they're very easy. You know, you've, you've, you've got to, um, you've got some, um, you've got some sort of, you know, where you speak and the app listens to your um, accent and what you're saying and lets you go on. You've got some writing to do. It's, it's you know, but it, it really brings home how, um, the sort of the phrases we all pick up are used yeah. in conversation. It, it, yeah. I mean, it's really tailored for easy conversation that you will have when you go to Spain. That's one of the things that makes it so good. You really need to check it out. The, 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 the interface of it is extremely clever, and clearly this has been tested to the nth degree. I'll totally recommend it. Yeah, well, the, the, the plan is, of course, that they teach you real-life conversations. Uh, so, so you learn through this interactive dialogue. Speech recognition technology helps you improve. It's not just some translation machine. There are a hundred language experts, real people, um, that have that have put this together. The lessons are lovingly created by those those experts, and you can choose from fourteen different languages: Spanish, French, Italian, German, all the ones you would expect. Um, and the teaching method has been proven to be effective across multiple studies. Babbel is available as an app or online, and your progress is synced across all your devices. So try Babbel today. Just go to babbel.co.uk or download the app for free. That's babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.co.uk, or download the app to try it for free. Babbel, learn a new language, and Steve, make it your own. Good. Yeah, that's it. Right. That's Babbel. That's Babbel, and we do actually really like it. It's, it yeah, it's actually really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really, enjo- I'm really enjoying using it. I wish I had more time to do it. Um, uh, what were we talking about? We, well, were, we talking were talking about, about labour. We I think we were just sort of, uh, we sort of ended on whether momentum should be booted out. My view is that no, they shouldn't. Labour should. Labour is strongest no. when it's a broad church. Um, I mean, so- I do. I agree with that. I do think that, and you know, I spend a lot, an awful lot of time, <coughs> more time than I should, on social media mm-hmm. and. It's fair to say, and you will have noticed it too, there are a lot of people um, who are uh, who are true Corbyn true believers who are dismayed, upset, angry with what has gone on. There are a lot of people, I've noticed a lot of people who are in denial as we were um, uh, five years ago who are saying, you know, I'm still hoping it's Rebecca Long-Bailey and Richard Bergen um, and um, and I've noticed a lot of people saying that they will quit the Labour Party if Keir Starmer is elected. I saw this. This is from. I'm not going to say the username on Twitter actually because I, you know I don't, don't think we should encourage people to reply. But 
this is a, uh, a a woman who said over a series of tweets. I wrote some of these down. Labour is put in Israel's wants before British people's needs. Uh. The, the PLP, the PLP's behaviour made Jeremy Corbyn unelectable, not Labour's policies. Oh, right. This has shown people like me how nasty and horrible the PLP is. Uh, Labour is the nasty party with Jess Phillips, Margaret Hodge et al. I intend to leave Labour. So does all, so will all of my family. We're cutting the umbilical cord from Labour. It doesn't represent us anymore. And I, I mean, I, I don't really know what to make of that. No. Other than, do you know what? I, I, the Labour membership will drop. Labour is currently the most. Uh, they've got more members than any other political party in Europe. Um, get clo- close to or even over, I think, perhaps, or above 500,000 people. Um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in the slightest because you could have one member and still be in government. Um, it, it, you know, with regards to party coffers and all that kind of thing, well, yeah, but it didn't help Corbyn, did it? So membership is a thing which is what, you know, whatever. You get the diehards. What you need is... The, the the general voter, the person who's never been a member of a political party, never will be, but likes your policies. That's who you need. The Tories got them in whenever, when was it? December, November? It seems like about four years ago now. December, um, yeah. December. Um, the Tories got them then. Blair got them for years and years and years. You, that's what you've got to get if you want to be in power. And there's no point being in a political, being a political party if you don't want to be in power. Um, so membership, yeah, I mean, obviously for party coffers it's good, but it doesn't really matter if Labour lose you half. Know. If Labour if Labour lose half their members by this time next week, it won't make the, sh- the slightest bit of difference to the average guy on the street who likes Keir Starmer's policies. Exactly, and they will still have more members than the Conservative Party. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, if I, I mean, I guess I I agree that the best parties are broad churches, and that there are. Um, it, it, that it's great to have a mass membership party with people who are really involved. I do think that um, I do think that, that that some people. I mean, I already see George Galloway is talking about forming yet another party, isn't he, for people who who leave the Labour Party it's when uh, serial, when Keir Starmer. He's just a serial um, cult leader, that man, though, isn't he? I mean, well, what, he is. Yeah, he yeah. But but I do think that a lot of people who who believe that. George Galloway is, you know, have got a much higher opinion of George Galloway than you and I do. I think a lot of people like that are in the Labour Party at the moment, and maybe they, you know, maybe they they, they should consider uh, what they're doing and, and whether they want to join a, a different party. And and if they do, the best thing to do would be, as, as somebody said earlier on, to agitate for a, a better, a proportional representation system where, mm. because, the, you know, there are two or three parties in the the Labour Party. There are two or three parties in the Conservative Party. Mm. Um, so you know that's 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 the way to go. Um, do you want to say anything about Jeremy Corbyn as we've bid him uh, farewell? Yeah, I, I wrote a little column last week, sort of bidding him farewell after his um, after his his PM his final PMQs. But I think you know me me and Jeremy Corbyn w- would never get on uh, politically. Um, he. But that said, <clears throat> I will miss him to some extent because I, I like a conviction politician. I like the fact that yeah. he's he did you know he he, he would not uh, and will never change. You know I respect that. 
nothing should be a shock. Um, you know, again and again and again and again, we told people, um, you know, all those people screaming who Jeremy Corbyn at Glastonbury, you know, we said to him on so many occasions on this podcast and in the paper, he's a lever, he's a lever. He shouldn't be a shock. And he is a lever, it shouldn't be a shock. He, you know, he, he, is, he is a hard left winger. <clears throat> it shouldn't be a shock. He is unelectable. It shouldn't be a shock that he didn't win. Um, but everything that he does, he believes in. He believes it's for the right thing. He's not interested in really forwarding his own ambitions as a, as a, a, a you know, he, he's an accidental leader, wasn't he? He wasn't, nothing, yeah. nothing he's ever done has been in order to grab power for him. It's to grab power for what he believes will make this nation better. And I've got masses of respect for that. Um, and it's been a fascinating period in Labour's history. It's been a hugely unsuccessful one, and for that, I'm truly sorry. But um, uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not a sort of gloating Blairite on this. You know, I'm not um, saying, "Boo, I told you so." Well, I am a little bit, I suppose. But um, he, he, he will be missed by journalists, I think, uh, because he gave us a lot of copy. Um, I, I mean, my, my lasting memory of Jeremy Corbyn will be meeting him to do an interview in, in Great Yarmouth. Um, very working class area uh, and a very active Labour party up there. And he, um, the Tory MP though, Brandon Lewis, so um, he came along and he did a walk through the town. Um, mixed reaction. Um, we all followed him down and how these things work these sort of walkabouts with the media work is they walk around tv get some pictures tv usually do a sort of minute to camera and then usually the print journalists will get a little bit longer and a bit of a sit down and usually but usually they're done within an hour hour and a half four hours later i'm still sat in the back of a uh, in the back room of sort of a community cafe stroke boxing gym um, where the interview was supposed to be held, and uh, his media people, very nice, had sort of sat me in there with a photographer and said, "Right, we'll bring him straight through." He came. He came through, followed by the activists and just general locals that he picked up along the way, and then said, uh, "I'm going to deal with these people first, and then I'll get to you." And we sat there for three hours listening to every pothole, every um, universal credit story of whoa every you know and he sat there with this little pad and he noted every single one of them down and it was like he had all the time in the world and it was infuriating to me because I had to get back to the office and file story um, but for those people in that room it must have felt incredible because they were probably for the first time ever the center of a politician's world um, and so I can understand why he garners so much love so much respect from from you know normal people and uh and so i absolutely get that um i just wish we could have gone first really but it was an eye-opener it was a funny thing to see yeah that's i mean that sounds i mean you know let's let's not doubt his sincerity for a minute there are people who in politics who are insincere and he is completely sincere and i think he you know he leaves thinking that he's won in a way doesn't he he, he won a, a huge number of votes for uh, for a radical um, uh, a radical Labour manifesto in, in 2017 that is, is part of his tragedy isn't it really that he, he, he's failed he failed to recognise that 
an awful lot of that was was a, 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 a protest vote against um, Theresa May and the uh, and the dementia tax and and, uh, and a vote for Labour for people who were horrified with the idea with the, with the sort of the Brexit that she was trying to force through. Um, um, and I think you know. There is an element of tragedy about what he's done to the Labour Party and and the the delusion in you know he, he you know the, his supporters are now saying well the Conservatives are embracing all of our all of our manifesto commitments and well that's true to, to a certain extent but they're, they're doing so in in the, the the wake of an enormous crisis rather than in a sudden realization that. Jeremy Corbyn was right about the argument all along. Um, on a procedural matter, you know, it does speak a lot of Jeremy Corbyn that one of his sort of farewell acts this week was that he sent Boris Johnson a six-point plan, didn't he, of how to deal with the coronavirus crisis, and it had two two point fours in it. Yeah, you know, yeah. that I mean that says it all, really. I think yeah, that says it. Yeah, I mean, all. I you know, I guess that they have got their feet up on the desk there now, but it still a, a, a sloppy way to go out and I'll, I, I won't miss Jeremy Corbyn as much as uh, as you will I don't, um, I'm not, hey listen I think I, I'm, I'm only gonna I'm gonna miss him as a journalist because he offered copy um, yeah that I, you know miss him miss him as as someone who's been a uh, you know a, a critical friend of the Labour Party from well pretty much all my adult life I you know I'll tell, tell you something else that Keir Starmer inherits um, if it is Keir Starmer, which we're, we're, we're sort of praying it will be, I'm touching, I'm touching a, a wooden desk um, at the moment. Um, but he inherits a he inherits a press who are becoming quite sceptical. Tory press who are becoming quite sceptical about the way the government are handling this coronavirus crisis, doesn't he? I mean, it's it's extraordinary. We're we're recording this on on a Thursday, and and we've got the the mail. Uh, and the Telegraph are both pouring a bucket over the, the the government, although they seem to be excusing Boris Johnson. That's probably because he's had coronavirus or got coronavirus. Mm. Um, but over testing, over PPE, over the lack of ventilators, they are, you know, the, 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 the press and the Telegraph are angry for other reasons as well, which I'll come on to in Brexiteers of the Week. What do you make of all of this? Uh, well, I, I think... I think that um, I think that what it, I think what it, what what will happen what happens often is um, and I get this a lot as a member of the media a lot of, we get a lot of stick thrown at us um, I think what we're find, what we're seeing here is actually that in a moment of of national crisis the papers are willing to to chuck out those um, those party allegiances if it, it you know if it, if it, if it's affecting their readers and i think this is something that everyone is talking about ppe equipment ventilators testing is it, is very much been the topic of the week hasn't it um mm. I, 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 interestingly perhaps and i've got stick for this as well there are certain things you should not talk about richard on this podcast your support for boris johnson <laughs> herd immunity um, <laughs> being another but what i what i will say is what we these are unprecedented times these are this is a government that is at full tilt my so my criticism i, I and there, i do have criticisms for certain things that the government have done during this period is not what they're doing right now as much as what they should have been doing in january yeah um i think that is where the, that is where the cock up yeah. of this past 10 days 
happened. Not now, because now everything is happening all at once and there are people, um, civil servants and politicians and people who work politicians who have never worked harder and will never work harder. I'm not saying... In, you know, I'm not saying we should lean out of our windows and clap for them, of course not. But what I'm saying is they are working very hard to try and make sure that um, that, uh, that as fewer people as possible die from this and, and the economic impact is as small as possible. No one is purposely trying to screw over this country. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with the Mail, I'm pleased with the Telegraph for doing this, for not just carrying out the old, you know, Boris's Churchill, etc., all that crap. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the press that they've, that they're standing up to me, even if they support him, um, because I think that is what, you know, that is another thing that the press should do. It should be, it should be an opposition, and it is saying the right things. It is asking the right questions, by and large, I think, during this crisis, um, you know, and 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 the, and an industry that's taking a hit itself, of course. So I think, the, I think that yeah, I think the, I think the, I think you know, good on, good on, Jordy Gregg and whoever's the editor at the Telegraph this week. Chris um, Evans, for, yeah. Oh, is it Chris? <laughs> How long has he been in the? I thought he wasn't actually the editor, and he'd given him some kind of role, some kind of no, other role. Is he still, actually called still, the editor now? He is still called the editor. Yeah, there was that American fellow, wasn't he? Who was like head of? No, editor. he's he's been in he's been in gone. Yeah. Jason Seeker, yeah, yeah, he, it's Chris Evans, yeah. Chris, Chris not, Evans. not radio's not, Chris Evans. Not Ginger, TFI. He's, he's not got Jamie the student and, and what's he called, Will. <laughs> Just comedy Dave. Well, no, that, was the, that, was the, that, wasn't, that wasn't Chris Evans, was that Will. Was, that was, the, that was um, I've, I've got two Moyles, little, I've got two little porridge dots for you on the back of that. I was, I was, once, um, I was once at a school fair in Hampstead uh, at Christchurch School. And um, and I was going around the school fair. It was all very lovely, um, you know. Lots of very middle class people there, um, doing lots of middle class things, drinking champagne and having cream teas and all that kind of thing. And there was Will, producer Will. And if you've ever bumped into producer Will and you're of a certain age, the um, the intense uh, th- this thing in your brain. That makes you want to point at the poor chap and go, Will, Will. Yeah, oh man, if I'd have had even a sniff of alcohol before I went in there, I would have done that. The poor guy, he must absolutely hate it. Um, very much target audience references this. Um, the other thing was, Chris Evans once interviewed me for a job, and do you know what his opening line was? No, go on. He said, What do you think of the internet then? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I said, ooh, uh, well, and started going through, this was the Telegraph, when he was at the Telegraph, uh, started going through what my sort of review of the, the Daily Telegraph's uh, web output, this is about 12 years ago now, and he went, no, 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 no. I'm not bothered about what Telegraph do online, I want to know what you think about the internet. <laughs> like, all of it. <laughs> Good. You know, so there you go, so I, I t- guess what, I didn't get that job. No, it's funny yeah. that, isn't it? Funny that, funny that, funny that. Um, anyway, good, good not, on the media. Basically, journalists are brilliant, and politicians yeah. need to need to book their ideas up a bit. There we go. I agree. I agree. I think when Michael Gove comes out and says it's brilliant, the first of thousands of our new ventilators are going to be delivered to the NHS next week. Yeah, and then it turns out to be thirty ventilators. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you I know, think what we I think, what the I politicians right. what the politicians need to learn here, and I think 
I don't know where the messaging is getting wrong with this, but imagine the chaos in number 10. I mean, just imagine. You know, that's not an excuse. I'm not trying to make excuses for anyone, but imagine. Um, but they've got to stop doing their old playing politics with stuff like they've done before. This is not yeah. a political time. This is a time of national crisis. Um, you know, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people are going to die. Not all of them are going to be old and have underlying health issues. You know what I mean? This is this is something that is going to affect everyone, whether they're a toddler or whether they're ninety years old. You are not immune, and so politics needs to go out the window. And stuff like that that you just mentioned is a perfect example. You know, why not just say the first ones are coming next week? There's only thirty of them, but hey, we've got to start somewhere. We're catching up, but we're going to get there. Just people want you to be straight with them. Don't try and do the politics trick, the crap. Don't try and do that. The old rules are gone for now. They'll come back, but for now they're gone. Play it straight. That would be my advice. I think that's I think that's right. And I think it's also worth mentioning that, you know, the organisation that you, I, that everybody who's listening to this believes wholeheartedly that we think we should rejoin, which is the which is the EU, obviously, is also struggling you yeah, know yeah. okay okay germany and uh, other places are sweden are vastly ahead of us in terms of the number of fatalities and that's linked to the amount of testing that they've been able to do they've not got much of a lockdown um, either in sweden they haven't got very much of a lockdown either in sweden no no and and, and my um, it's a it's a you know my, it's a shame because my stepmom was who is swedish was hoping to get back over there but flight cancelled at the last minute and obviously you're not able to to travel by car so um so she's um so she's stuck in a flat in greenwich uh whereas um you know she should she she could be uh, in the beautiful south of sweden um experiencing a great deal more freedom than you and i are doing um and uh, it might with, be, with proper, it with proper well, testing as well uh, this this might be an unpopular opinion in the uh, in the anglesey household but uh she she might be safer in Greenwich, and you know what? Greenwich is lovely. Well, it's very nice in Greenwich. No, no, I'm not. I'm not going to go at Greenwich with Greenwich people. You um, stay off. Leave Greenwich alone. Yeah, leave Greenwich alone. Um, but you know, there are, there have been problems within the, the the EU's response. Okay, there's been now, there's now been sharing of equipment and stuff like that. That took a little time to to, to get sorted out, but it's the it's how the EU is responding to the kind of the economic fallout of all of this. You've got Italy, you've got Spain, you've got lots of others who want to in, to issue these sort of euro eurozone bonds um, at the same rate for everybody. I think part of the part of the, the the beef that some of the poorer countries have had and the countries that had to be bailed out before is that the bonds that were issued, the, the loans that were issued were at a, you know, a, a, a rate that was so high that they're still struggling to pay those things back. So they want these corona bonds, um, which are at a level that, you know, that, that is, is acceptable to, to everybody. It's a joint debt from the, um, from the, um, the whole of the Eurozone. Um, and, and Germany and the Netherlands particularly pushing back on this. And the, the Dutch guy called uh, uh, Wopke Hoekstra, who's the, the, basically the Dutch Chancellor, is saying, you know, why, why haven't you got the financial buffers that I've got, what, that we've got in, in Holland? Why can't you be financially responsible? And this has gone down like a, you know, like a, a lead balloon, as you, as you can imagine. Um, so, 
you know, it's 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 not all a bed of roses within the the EU either. And you you no. find people no. like, you know, Italy's prime minister saying that the whole European structure is about to lose its raison d'être to the people of Europe. This is a critical point in European history. Um, and you, I think you found, um, uh, uh, oh, you know, real senior politicians from, from all sides are, are talking about this as a, a fundamental moment for the EU to sort of stand up and, and do something um, and, and be, you know, do it better than they did in, in, uh, in response to the financial crisis too. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't doubt, I'm, I'm not saying, by the way, that the government are doing, have done a, a terrific job. No. Clearly, January and February, um, while they were sorting out, um, you know, while they were sorting out Brexit coins and all of that kind of stuff, um, were, were, have been totally squandered, haven't they? Mm. Um, shall we move on to our? Uh, oh, I wanted to shout out um, for the print edition of the New European, which is a, which is an Easter special, by the way. Yes, um, tell us a bit uh, about I'm, that. We, we're, we're certainly hurtling towards this being a record long pod, so we, <laughs> we are. So I want I, I want to do this quickly and then get to the Brexiteers of the week. Um, it's really good. It's got more quizzes in it. We're, we're going to drop the quiz for this week because we are we, we wanted to spend a lot of time talking about Keir Starmer. Um, I have. It's got loads and loads of stuff about what happens next after coronavirus. Obviously, it's got stuff about what's going to happen next for Labour. Uh, I've got a piece in it talking about conspiracy theories. We can talk more about that next week, I think. Um, but just get out there. It's the, just get out there and buy it. It's, uh, it's a double issue. It's on sale for uh, two weeks. It's got another striking cover by the great Chris Barker. It is. A br- I tell you what, the last two weeks' covers of the New European have been absolutely on point. Um, I love this, week's it, yeah. love this week's cover, really, really good. And um, there is nothing better than, a, than one of the New Europeans' famous double issues. And having been on the receiving end of one of those weeks where you've got to get a double issue out, please go and buy it. <laughs> the work that goes into it is absolutely immense. Um, Steve, anything else before we get to Brexit of the Week? No, that's it. I've watched some good films this week. Go I've on then, Mid-Summer. go on then. Oh, yes. Finally, I've watched Midsummer. Um, it was it was less like The Wicker Man than um, than was billed. I enjoyed it much more than I thought I would. Good. I thought uh, Florence Pugh, who's fantastic in everything, was uh, fantastic. And I've also watched Dolomite. Is is my name? Um, oh yeah, which, um, I haven't seen. Which um, I've kind of skipped Eddie Murphy's mainstream uh, movie career. I think Bowfinger was probably the last film that I watched Eddie Murphy in. Yeah, look at you, um, coming to and, America is uh, a crap film. And I've kind of missed, I've kind of missed all of that in between. Um, he's absolutely superb in it, and it's good, and it's it's great. So, watch Midsummer and watch Dolomite is my name. Have you watched? Are you watching this thing that everyone's talking about at the moment, um, Tiger King? I've not yet watched it. No, have you? Well, it's. <laughs> Yes, it's, it is an absolutely insane piece of TV. Uh, well worth the watch. It's not like, oh my God, I've got to put another one on straight away. But it is just, um, you know, crazy people doing crazy things and tigers and guns thrown in for fun. It's, uh, it's, it's well worth a watch. I'm still, I'm still knee-deep in Kirby enthusiasm. 
it's just you know, don't find a place to be it's brilliant it is just like yeah exactly it is the absolute antidote to um as soon i tend to as soon as um as soon as the government briefing is finished quick episode of curb before tea that'll, that'll solve everything right then we'll be back with brexit of the week next Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back, Steve. It is time to crown the Brexiteer of the Week. It is time to crown the Brexiteer of the Week. Before I do so, I do want to say, we mentioned Manchester City earlier on, I do want to say RIP to um, oh, yeah. to the great Eddie Large. Absolutely. The large half of Little and Large, Yeah, obviously. yeah, yeah. I had a signed picture uh, of Little and Large as a boy. He was, Eddie Large was, he, he was, I mean, Little and Large were... Of their time, I would say. Um, they weren't nasty in, no, in the way that, that many comedians of that time were nasty. And no, Eddie Large was very funny. It was was privately... Well, I, I, I've met him a couple of times. Uh, and I interviewed him at great length on one occasion about Manchester City. He was a very funny man. Um, and one of the things that I remembered this uh, when I heard the news was that he told me that in days, the days when Manchester City were a bit of a shambles, um, he had received, um, he was very, I mean, Eddie Lodge used to sit on the, the, the manager's yeah, and the yeah. substitute's bench. He used to sit on the bench, didn't um, he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he did. He was so highly thought of that over a sort of, you know, 10, 15 year period, um, when I first started going to Manchester City, you would go and it would be quite common to see one of Britain's leading comedians on the, the, the substitute's bench. I mean, Lee, some, you know, some in, would in say, some yes, would exactly. say that Britain's have, leading comedians are on the Huddersfield Town bench most weeks. You, you can add your own punchlines to this, but I remember him t- telling me, and he was telling me all these fantastic stories, and I don't have this on tape, sadly, um, and a lot of stories I couldn't use because of their nature, and one of them was that he had received, he used to get his derby, uh, his, his match ticket sent in the post because he lived in Blackpool. And, you know, often he would get free tickets, clearly, and quite often they would have a note in there from uh, players or people who work behind the scenes at the club and managers and stuff like that. And he received tickets to, to the Manchester derby, Manchester City versus Manchester United, one year. And enclosed was a note from, um, a, a, let's, let's say it was a senior member um, of the, uh, the the club's hierarchy um, at the time, and it said, uh, "Make sure you get here four hours before kickoff, so we can have a good drink up." Um, and he looked at the the tickets, and the kickoff time was was noon. <laughs> <laughs> and and he said he did turn up at eight a.m. and that you know he said by kickoff time it w- everybody was just completely uh, off their heads. Um, champagne, champagne, and, and spirits at eight am, and that's the uh, that's the way it used to be. Um, the Brexiteers of the week off their heads in a different way. Yeah. Um, it, it seems to be a tradition now that I'm just reading out bits of Anne Widdicombe's column in Brexiteers of the week. A lack. One line, a lack. Last week she was saying a lack because she couldn't have a carpet delivered. This week it says, "Where is one of the lines that, that that's leapt out was where is proportionality and reason." <laughs> I mean, not in your column, is it? Um, other highlights. She said, um, "She said I cannot change a duvet cover to save my life." She she was saying a lack. I've what? got twelve weeks without my my 
person who comes in and does. Well, t- I just cannot st- change a duvet cover to save my life. It is as complicated as putting up a tent. No, right. it isn't. Right, right, right. What, what method isn't. do you use? What method do you use for putting a duvet cover on? Because I've got a tried and tested method. It's the, it's the pinch the corner method, clearly. Right, so you get the duvet and you get it inside yeah. out. Yeah, exactly that. Inside yeah. out, you put, you put one finger and thumb into one corner, one you into do. the other. You've previously yeah. laid down your duvet cover on the bed. This is it. It's you easy. get the corner, and then you go thwack, 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 like that, in the air, in a, like a wave motion. And then all yeah. you've got to do is do at the buttons. It is a piece of piss. Why do people struggle yeah. with this? I've got no idea. Is this um, a northern thing? I think it must be a no- well. Anne Widdicombe's not northern, is she? She just well, no. She can't uh, do it. It's the northerners who can do it. She can't oh, I do see. it. Yes, yes, I see. Yeah, I, I know what it's she'll be doing. Southerners. She'll be going in. She'll be laying the duvet out, and she'll be going in the in, in the duvet cover with the duvet. That's what she'll be doing. She will be. I've got to say, a lot of the rest of Anne Widdicombe's column this week is about how she wants obesity to be taken into account with people who are dying of coronavirus. Right. And, and I'm just like, you know, I mean, as an overweight man myself, I've, I've got to say, I think Anne Widdicombe's in the same club as, as, as me, you know. She's it's not. Like, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't exactly be, she's, you know, I wouldn't be going on about obesity. Anyway, uh, should we talk about the Brexit party? Well, I really like Lance Foreman. Who's our friend, former MEP? He said um, the UK have sent its first shipment of humanitarian aid to Iran. Wouldn't it be nice if the Iranians freed Nazanin and other British political prisoners as a humanitarian gesture in return? And I'll just remind Lance, um, who I know is an avid listener, that in September, you and the other Brexit Party uh, MEPs. There was a vote in the EU Parliament calling on Iran to immediately and unconditionally release all dual nationals and human rights campaigners, and you abstained from that vote. So you shouldn't be pontificating about it. Richard Tice, the chairman of the Brexit Party, he tweeted, should we trust the Chinese to sell us uncontaminated ventilators, or will they repackage and sell us used ventilators? I'd rather buy British ventilators made by our great manufacturers. Thoughts, welcome. And of course, banging my head against the microphone. Uh, yeah, I know. And of course, brilliant, quite brilliantly, that was sent from his. Uh, it said at the bottom of his tweet, sent from my iPhone, which of course is made in China. Yes, we've had a few um, of these, haven't we? We have. Um, shall we talk about the dissenters? Because there are people. The indie band. Um, the dis- yeah, they, they sound like an indie band, the don't 80s, they? Eighties indie band who never quite made it. The dis- Where the mean, dissenters? You've got Alison Pearson who's saying we've lost all sense of, of mortality and these figures aren't, you know, she's saying, you know, 17, there are 17,000 deaths associated with flu every year. And it is implying that these figures aren't um, enormous. You have, got, um, you have got Peter Hitchens who, I mean, Peter Hitchens column in the Mail on Sunday, Voice extraordinary... Headline, the voice of reason, there's powerful evidence this great panic is foolish, yet our freedom is broken and our economy crippled. Uh, He said, as I watched the Prime Minister order mass house arrest, I felt revulsion, anger and grief. Um, He is saying uh, we're under mass house arrest. 
perhaps we will emulate the French or Italian states which have returned to their despotic origins and reduced their populations to a sort of towering serfdom. Um, and then, of course, we've got Toby Young, who, um, well, I mean, these were extraordinary things that he wrote in The Critic, the new magazine, The Critic. He said uh, house arrest should um, come to an end on April the 14th, not house arrest, the lockdown or whatever we're calling it. Um, if we can't do it on April the 14th, the day after Easter Monday, then we must do it on April the 20th. Toby, none of this is going to happen. He said spending £350 billion to prolong the lives of a few hundred thousand mostly elderly people is an irresponsible use of taxpayers' money. I mean, that is, you know, let that statement sink in. It is absolutely remarkable. Uh, and he's worked out the cost of uh, people's lives. And, and Toby Young um, has decided that it's, it's not worth it and we should just let uh, a few hundred thousand mostly elderly people die. What people um, don't seem to be fully understanding, though, when they go, oh, the figures for the flu, etc., etc. But this is a virus that is, is passed on much more, uh, is much more aggressive and much more contagious yes. than the flu. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh. Yes. Uh, but the Brexiteer of the week is Aaron Banks. Oh, Banksy. Uh, the bad Banksy. boy We've not Brexit. had him in for a while. And I will take you back to 2014-15. Oh, lovely. He donated nearly a million quid to UKIP. £976,781 he donated in 2014-15 tax year. Um, and the government said, well, you owe us um, you, that's very nice, but what you owe is £162,000 and £945 uh, uh, as well, so 100, 163000 quid in inheritance tax because these are the rules. The rules are that you can, when you make a political donation, you don't usually pay inheritance tax, um, but in this case, you're liable for it because the rules say that parties to qualify for this for no inheritance tax, have to have two MPs elected to the House of Commons, or one member elected and 150,000 total votes. And UKIP at that time had got two MPs in the House of Commons, but they defected. They hadn't been elected. Um, and so even though they had 150,000 votes at the 2010 general election, they didn't qualify, and Aaron Banks has had to pay this. And Aaron Banks, who spent a lot of time and a lot of money telling us that the EU were terrible um, got, you know, rejected and rejected and rejected and lost his appeal, appeal after appeal about this. And so where did he end up? He ended up claiming that this, his bill for inheritance tax was a breach of his human rights and a breach of EU law. I mean, the sheer brass balls of the fella. He said that it breached Article 1 of the first protocol to the European Convention on Human Rights. Um, uh, which says that people have got the right to peaceful enjoyment of their possessions. Um, and I'm happy to say uh, that this week he lost another appeal um, and he's got to pay back 163,000 quid, um, which will be nothing to him. But um, the fact that he has uh, got recourse to EU law um, is, uh, is, is, I mean, uh, remarkable and it makes him the Brexiteer of the week. Congratulations, Mr. Banks. You are once again the Brexiteer of the Week. Uh, Steve, what should listen to right now? Leave us a lovely review for this podcast. <clears throat> it's great doing this. It's, I think it's helping keep us sane. Absolutely. I hope it's helping keep you sane. Uh, 
you should really keep safe out there. Um, I think, uh, you know, this is the, 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 you know, despite what brilliant people like Peter Hitchens and Toby Young say, I think you should probably stay indoors, listen to a few more podcasts. Uh, and leave us a great review and listen leave good reviews few, for all the podcasts you like. Listen to a few of our old podcasts. You can. You can hear how we've developed as broadcasters. <laughs> maybe give issue <laughs> one, maybe episode one a miss. <laughs> uh, please subscribe to the New European print edition. Get it delivered at home. Go to theneweuropean.co.uk. Subscribe to publications you like. It's a really bad time for our industry right now. Um, so please help us out. You can join our uh, New European Readers Group on Facebook. You can go to Twitter and uh, follow at the New European. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. These really are very, very important times for journalism in general. Um, And if you do subscribe to New European, it will be delivered to your door and it is worth us pointing out that there is no danger in getting a newspaper delivered um, remember, no. we used to eat fish and chips off them back in the day. And that's how super clean they are. So there is no danger with you getting a newspaper delivered. And you can also, of course, always click on the website, which has uh, lots of great stuff on there as well. Steve, thanks very much, old boy. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, use your one trip out today and go and buy the printed product of the New European. Uh, It is a double bumper Easter issue. And let's face it, we've all got time on our hands now to read those wonderful 3,000-word essays on on great pieces of European culture and art. So there's lots of politics and lots of Brexit as well and tons of coronavirus, as you might expect. We will be back next week. Until then... Mr. Campbell, play your bagpipes. Here you go.